We've had patients we've diagnosed with lymphoma and actually kind of made plans to get them treated right away. Um, we've diagnosed early stage cancer and, you know, we're able to pass them on to a surgeon to have it resected. Um, and certainly, unfortunately, we've diagnosed a, lot, diagnosed a lot of late stage cancer as well. This is the James Cancer Free World podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Raquel Reinbold. Raquel is an oncologist, and she is the medical director of the new James Diagnostic Center. The center opened about a year ago in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the goal of the center is to provide quick and safe access for patients who suspect they might have cancer, but might be hesitant or unsure about what to do in the midst of the pandemic. And then to evaluate and diagnose them. And if they do have cancer, immediately connect them with the James doctor who specializes in their specific type of cancer and start their treatment. This was a vital service during difficult times, and it's an ongoing service providing a tremendous resource for the entire Central Ohio community and beyond. Welcome to the podcast, Raquel. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. So this is the first time we've talked, so I'm very curious to learn a little bit about your background and what got you doing what you're doing and led you to be the, the medical director of this new center. Sure, sure. Happy to share. Yeah, I've, I've had a little bit of an unusual pathway, but, um, you know, really my love for cancer and interest in cancer began before college, um, and specifically with breast cancer, at least initially. Um, so throughout college, into med school and into residency, um, I kind of stayed laser focused, if you will, on, uh, you know, cancer and breast cancer opportunities, had some great mentors along the way, Charlie Shapiro, uh, Miriam Lussberg, who uh, not only taught me about cancer in general, but uh, helped spark my interest in uh, supportive care and some of the, uh, uh, you know, problems that arise when we give cancer treatments to patients. Um, and that continued through fellowship um, and did a breast medical oncology fellowship and landed actually at the Spielman, where I had the pleasure of caring for breast cancer patients over time. Um, that kind of evolved. And I, I started, you know, while loving my research and my time with my patients, I kind of started to think a little bit more about uh, how can we kind of, you know, maximize our ability to deliver uh, great cancer care to patients throughout the variety of cancer care settings? And so, you know, I like to think about not just the clinic, but how, how do patients do when they present to the hospital in the ER? How do they do when they're on the inpatient side? And how can we get them the care and diagnostics they need um, in the best way possible? So you are interested in expanding beyond just breast cancer and taking these skills to all different types of cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the breast cancer population, as I said, it will always have my heart, certainly. But um, I think we've all been touched by cancer in some way, uh, whether that's family members or friends. And so I think, you know, being able to deliver personalized, um, efficient, multidisciplinary care throughout those those variety of healthcare platforms, it's really important. So that sounds like this would make you a perfect candidate person to be the director of the Diagnostic Center. So give us a little background on um, how the center came about. In a previous podcast, Dave Cohn, the medical director of the James, talked about how this was already sort of on the back burner, a plan to do, and then it got bumped up to the uh, front burner, if not sure. uh, off the burner and, you know, 
into into action. Sure. Yes. Um, so, you know, the thoughts about the clinic really began in the summer of 2019, you know, work groups established thinking about this problem and, and so forth. Um, but with, with COVID, um, as you know, um, you know, many patients started shying away from the hospital. Um, you know, we're all staying uh, home. Uh, some of us are very glad to be finally going outside and getting some fresh air again. Uh, but there was really a need to uh, help those patients who maybe had some signs or symptoms of cancer and still have that access. It was also really important uh, to, you know, help those patients who maybe really weren't hooked into the medical system already and had limited means. And so that's where a lot of this initially came up. Yeah, that's I, I want you to talk about that a little more, that the idea and early idea before COVID, there was no thought that there'd be a lockdown and people couldn't, it, the, the initial idea was that underserved populations need something like this. And then, it, and they still do. Absolutely. You know, most of us kind of get access to specialists after seeing a primary care doc who puts a referral into the system and then, you know, an appointment is made and so forth. But some patients don't have primary, primary care access. Um, and, you know, maybe these, these signs, these symptoms are ignored over time. And so this clinic's really unique in that it allows patients to self-refer. They don't have to have a primary care doc that's established. Um, so, you, you know, we try to meet folks where they are and, and try to really engage them so they can get that diagnostic evaluation they need. So when you say people can self-diagnose and then make an appointment, so I'm already starting to think, what would be the things that would make someone self-diagnose? And then immediately you think of a lump in your breast. Sure. And that's breast cancer, of course. Or what are some of the other things you're finding, symptoms or pains or growths or things that people are self-diagnosing, getting worried about and calling up the center about? Sure. Um well, some of it has to do with maybe, you know, things you might say you notice about your body, like a lump or a bump or, or maybe um, really unusual fatigue or weight loss or drenching night sweats, for example, where you have to change your sheets multiple times and, and these is persisting over time. A lot of folks find access to us too when, you know, maybe they go to the emergency department for a cough, for example, and, you know, they get their inhalers, they get their antibiotics, they feel better, but a chest x-ray was done in that emergency department visit. And all of a sudden there's an, a lung nodule there. And, you know, the emergency room might say, you know, that that needs to be uh, further evaluated at some point. Um, and so that's an opportunity for patients to come to the diagnostic center to get that further evaluation. So when you say a patient goes somewhere and gets a, a, a lung scan and something shows up, that's not going to be at Ohio State. That'll be at some small regional hospital that may not have a cancer center. Sure. And, and that's when they would then say, let's call the James Diagnostic Center. Absolutely. So this is, you know, really a great resource, especially for those more peripheral community programs who don't have that access to specialists uh, within their own program. Yeah, we get spoiled here in central we, Ohio. We do. Uh, we really do. Think of the James, but you just you just go 40, 50 miles away and people don't have those resources. Absolutely. So um how did it lead up to that you became um the medical director of the center? 
Sure. So I had been working um, a little bit on the inpatient space when cancer patients are admitted to the hospital. Um, and I'd also been working in kind of the James Immediate Care Center, which is our urgent care space. And then I have that outpatient clinic background. So I've seen kind of all the different pieces of, of care transitions. And to me, this is the front door of how you get into the James, right? So making that diagnosis. And so I think having that perspective of, of inpatient, uh, outpatient and in between um, is really helpful here. Um, and it's, it's just been a pleasure getting to work with the group. And as I said, uh, the team, uh, the multidisciplinary team that got this up and running in such a short period of time, is, it's really remarkable. So how how fast did it get up? Like, when did you hear about it? And they talked to you about being the director. And then when did it open? So I'm, I'm spoiled. Uh, Dr. Cohn did all the, the leg work and had it up and running. So I got to step into it as it was kind of opened up. Um, so it opened up in June of 2020. And I came in toward the end of the year. So before you even start talking about the patients and what you're seeing, what, what's the team of the of the diagnostic center? Sure, sure. So we have a, a great multidisciplinary team. Um, the actual clinic itself is run by a wonderful uh, group of advanced practice providers who specialize in cancer care. We have dedicated nurses who, who really are very familiar with the James and the James population, and then a tremendous support team um, that helps us all out. Um, and then the kind of the neat thing is, is, you know, we start the diagnostic process, but if there's any question about how to proceed with the diagnostic evaluation, we engage directly with our subspecialists. Uh, for example, if, you know, let's say I see a spot on the bone and we have a question about the best approach to biopsy that, I can reach out to our orthopedic oncology specialists and you know, discuss the case with them. And so we, we've really been spoiled in having great uh, collaborations with our, with our specialists um, to make sure we're you know, doing the absolute best thing for the patient at the time. Well, that's sort of the culture of the James, that collaboration. Really is. Now, I've not been to the James in more than a year, so I don't know where, like where within the hospital is your center, like on sure. what floor and next to, to what? Yeah, we are on the fifth floor of the James currently, um, and it, that is a kind of a large space, so it's best to uh, stop at the desk for directions, certainly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a number sure. of clinics there, but that's where we are. So, yes, that's a good point. So everyone, when you walk in, you're greeted by someone, they take you to the desk and then yep. someone will walk you up there. So yes. people, it's it's really a nice way to enter a hospital during perhaps stressful times. Sure is. Sure is. So it's uh, you're up on the fifth floor. You have all, what are sort of the resources you have up there? Walk me through when a patient comes in, what, what happens to them? And they say, I'm experiencing this, or I have this lump sure. here, or, or what do you do? Sure. Well, actually, the work really begins before the patient even gets there. So we we try to do our homework. We want to be prepared. And so, you know, we request those outside records. We try to understand and, uh, you know, what's been going on up to this point. If like, let's say that patient, I that example I used before, they went to the emergency department elsewhere and they had some pictures taken. Maybe they had a CAT scan of the chest or a chest X-ray. We try to get all those things sent to us so we can kind of anticipate and try to make this as streamlined as possible for patients. Um, but once they, you know, get to us, um, you know, certainly greeted by our, our team, um, one of our advanced practice providers will come and really interview them. Um, and, you know, I was, I was chatting with one of our, our APPs or advanced practice providers recently. And, you know, I think a, a lot of patients who come through, I mean, 
this is a, a scary thing. You know, sometimes patients are given information, oh, you might have cancer and then sent out the door without any kind of counseling, any direct follow-up and, and so forth. And so I think a lot of that visit is just trying to meet the patient where they're at, understand that experience and, and hopefully uh, provide a lot of kind of calm and, and hope about kind of the plan to, to figure things out. Um, you know, once, once we kind of get the story, if you will, then it's all about making plans about how do we, you know, either prove this is cancer or not. And that's labs, that's pictures, imaging, and a lot of times a tissue biopsy. Boy, that's a great point about the mental status of patients who, who knows, it could have been a week ago that they got this thing on their x-ray and that the doctor wasn't sure. So for a whole week, that person's life has been turned upside down. And now you're, uh, I'm sure, are the, the voice of calm and reason that we'll figure this out. We'll, sure. we'll figure out what to do with you. So, sure. yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Raquel's going to fill us in on sort of what's been happening over the past year, the different types of cancers that have been prevalent and maybe how many people they've seen and, and some of the outcomes. So we'll be right back. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At the James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Raquel Reinbolt, the medical director of the new James Diagnostic Center. And I wanted to go back to something you said at the very beginning that you've been interested in cancer and specifically breast cancer since even before college. And I was curious if that's because you had some sort of family connection with that? Sure. So yes, um, my, my grandmother actually passed away from breast cancer. And, uh, you know, at the time, I don't think I was, maybe I was young, too young to really realize what was happening. Um, but, uh, you know, it made me reflect. And I think this is probably my driving motivation is just, you know, cancer, it's a bad thing. And it happens to really good people who often did nothing to deserve it. And, uh, uh, that's, that's just, that's very motivational to me. It's something that, you know, drives me to, to come to work every day. Um, because I've, I've met too many wonderful, wonderful folks who've been, um, you know, stricken by this terrible disease. Yeah. It seems like if that's your background and why you wanted to get into it, then you're in the, the perfect position to help people nowadays. Sure. No, it's a privilege. It's been wonderful. So fill us in the past year at the Diagnostic Center, sort of walk us through the types of patients you're seeing and, and at what state, perhaps what stages of their cancer. And I'm sure not everyone has cancer and just that relief, they must find out that it's, you know, something not nearly as bad as cancer. Sure. So we have seen all kinds of things coming through our door. Um, certainly, you know, uh, reports of the lung nodules I mentioned. Uh, we've had spots in the liver, bone problems, sometimes even some, you know, vague symptoms of, of folks who are really, really fatigued and they haven't gotten an answer for that as of yet. Um, so really, it, it crosses the gamut. Um, we've had patients we've diagnosed with lymphoma and actually kind of made plans to get them treated right away. 
Um, we've diagnosed early stage cancer and, you know, we're able to pass them on to a surgeon to have it resected. Um, and certainly, unfortunately, we've diagnosed a lot, diagnosed a lot of late stage cancer as well. Um, but certainly in, in those gate, you know, in those cases, our goal is to really ensure that we're handing them off to the most uh, appropriate, the most specific cancer specialist for them to, so they can talk about the management plan and get that going as quickly as possible. So if someone comes in on, we'll just say a Monday and you would diagnose them that very day. Not always. A lot of times, you know, the history taking, understanding what's been going on is, is that first meeting. And then a lot of times we need the diagnostics to, to prove if there is or isn't cancer. And so those are kind of getting the pictures, the labs and so forth. Um, if we don't diagnose, diagnose cancer, though, um, it's not that we just say, you know, best of luck to you. Um, there's a lot of folks who still benefit from getting specialized care, or, and, and we refer them on to that to say, here's kind of the next steps of your evaluation. Um, and we're also really careful to make sure we, you know, discuss the case with the patient's primary care physician if they have one of those. So that's kind of a closed loop. Right, because a lot of people who don't have cancer, they'll have something else that needs taken care of. Exactly. Although it's much always a relief if we're able to share that news. <laughs> I guess the point I was trying to make is how quickly do you do a turnaround? Say if someone comes in on a Monday, walk me through how quickly he or she will get to see a specialist if they have cancer and start their treatment. Sure. So, you know, the initial evaluation usually takes a few days at least. Um, but if we do diagnose cancer, um, generally our team is directly reaching out to that cancer specialist to make them aware. And most of our patients are seen in that specialized clinic within less than two weeks or so, which is pretty quick. And important. Very important. Um, we know that getting patients from diagnosis to a treatment plan is absolutely critical. Now, I know it's been a year and, and it's been quite a year, but it, have you noticed any trends amongst what you're seeing? Can't speak necessarily to any specific trends. Um, we know, though, that folks have been avoiding kind of their routine screening that they should be doing. I was actually just reading at a, another institution in just one month in March of 2020, they canceled 800 appointments for lung cancer screening. And that's impressive. And so we're, you know, playing catch up from probably the things that should have been routinely done and maybe weren't or kind of, you know, there's this perception that, uh, you know, this symptom can wait, uh, not now. I don't want to go into the hospital and deal with it. But that might not always be the case for patients. Boy, you're, you're right that regular screenings, uh, mammograms, colonoscopies, lung cancer screenings have fallen down during the pandemic for, you know, understandable reasons. So now's the time to make up for all that lost, lost grand, ground and hopefully you'll be besieged with people who are coming in for their screenings. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we continue to see that. But what's the future for the Diagnostic Center? Once we do get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, how will you continue? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hopefully we're just going to be building on what we've already started doing. Um, you know, for one, for example, you know, we allow patients to come in person, of course, and we prefer that. But for some patients who maybe come from a distance, um, you know, sometimes we offer that initial visit virtually. And I think that's been made kind of cancer diagnostics, or at least that initial discussion really accessible for our patients. Oh, that, that's a great point that a person's initial 
um, interaction with you could be virtual where you'll talk to them, get their symptoms. If they have any x-rays, you can evaluate them. And then if necessary, you would have them come in. Absolutely. Or at least we could say, you know, here's the story. And now the next appointment is going to be where you get those labs, get the images that we need to kind of advance the story and and get the, the plan going. And I think that's, you know, a lot of what the future of this clinic is about is, you know, how do we continue to build partnerships with our community locally, regionally as well, especially in those places where resources are a little bit slimmer. How far away are you getting people coming from just to the clinic? Yeah, uh, certainly. So, you know, patients out kind of in the north, northern realms um, of Ohio, uh, West Virginia, for example, um, you know, really just draw draw a large circle around Columbus and, and that's what you'll see. So, And I know you don't have exact numbers, but give me a sense of how many of these people are just from perhaps underserved areas where they don't have the facilities or 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 don't have primary care physicians or just aren't really in the medical system and have the connections to to get what they need done where they live hard to give an exact number on that but we've you know encountered patients from all backgrounds and and kind of all all levels of resource if you will and uh, you know I just had a conversation recently with a, a doc kind of up in northern Ohio and uh, he was just sharing with me just how they had lost partnerships with uh, kind of a closer cancer program and so we thought that was a, a great potential there for you know to better serve their their community um, and I think that's just a, an example of what this this center can do for, like I said, not just local, you know, Columbus, but beyond. President Biden, right? He called the James a source of hope. I'd love to see our clinic kind of that that place for, for patients who don't really know where to turn to, to get an answer. Yeah, that's a great point that there there's just people all over who are scared and not sure what to do. And so give you, you guys a call. <laughs> that's what we're here for. So if someone listening to this has a concern, thinks they might have something, they're feeling something wrong in their body, they're not quite sure what to do, how do they contact and set up an appointment at your diagnostic center? Sure. So we have a wonderful presence um, on the James website, first off, and a ton of information can be found there. They can also call 1-800-293-5066. Um, as well. And our schedules would be happy to to get them an appointment. Okay, excellent. So congratulations on your first year and all the the amazing help you've given people from all over the state and beyond. And, And thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been great. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Soloff Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.